This is Think Sustainability. I'm Jake Morecambe. Tensions between scientists and the local fishing community have reached boiling point, with the New South Wales government backflipping on its plans for the Sydney Marine Park. The park was set to place 41 protection zones, stretching from Newcastle to Wollongong, with nearly half of those being sanctuary or no-fishing zones. However, just under a fortnight ago, Primary Industries Minister Neil Blair announced the bans would no longer go ahead. Soon after, the New South Wales government opened a period of public consultation, taking submissions from the public as to what the park's future should look like. And with the submission period closing today, I caught up with Dave Booth, Professor of Marine Ecology at the University of Technology, Sydney, to discuss his hopes for the park and what losing these sanctuary zones might mean for Sydney's marine ecosystems. Yeah, that's an important distinction. A sanctuary zone, as I mentioned, is, I suppose, prohibition of exploitative things like recreational fishing of all sorts and commercial fishing. A conservation zone was kind of a new concept. We don't see this in the other marine parks around Australia. The powers that be decided to develop these zones where you could fish, but only for abalone and lobster. So they then said these are as good as no sanctuary zones, no take zones, which is not true because, first of all, those two species, the abalone and the rock lobster, are both very important themselves, but also they're very important to the habitat. The rock lobster, for instance, facilitates uh, the growth of kelp habitat, which is disappearing under climate change. So remove the lobster, cause more problems with the kelp. Uh, You might ask why were they included? Well, both of those are managed separately in a commercial fishery and they're very valuable. So for some reason, they chose to let them uh, be a part of that particular zone, whereas all other fishing was prohibited. So from the recreational fishing point of view, they are lockouts, I suppose. From the conservation point of view, they're not no-take areas. So they kind of fell between the cracks there. So they're a funny sort of zone. Um, And then the special purpose zone, it just depended. One of the most interesting ones to me was Chowder Bay in Sydney Harbour, which is next to the Sydney Institute of Marine Science, a very small sanctuary zone there which a lot of the locals had been lobbying for and councils for many years Um, in the middle of that zone there's a very large wharf pier coming out which is very popular among fishers from all over sydney Um, i've seen a bull shark being caught there but certainly there's all sorts of fishes and rods there they've allowed recreational fishing in the middle of this tiny sanctuary no take area by calling it a special purpose zone now if i was a decent fisher i'm sure i could almost cast from that pier right across the sanctuary zone. And when it comes to the work that goes into determining what zone goes where, what does that look like? There's a sort of best best practice in this, and uh, Australians have been world leaders in the science behind this. Professor Hugh Possingham at the University of Queensland and others have developed a sort of almost an algorithm called MarkSan where they can look at all the different habitat and values of an area and design zones within that to maximise the benefit. So make sure the areas that they pick, say, for a sanctuary zone are representative of the habitat, so they're not kind of different from the rest of the habitat. Um, They're adequate and a few other attributes to make them really good examples of the area to protect. And so that particular protocol um, is supposed to be used and to a certain degree I thought was used to choose some of these spots. But, of course, once the science 
is done, you've then got to please people. So you've got to make sure there's, there's a safety element. And, you know, it's nice to have them where there was already a bit of protection. So you're not starting things in new. So there was a lot of adjustment done after that best practice, I think. Um, and a lot of it was to sort of appease potential fishing groups. I was going to ask, is there a legal or is it just a social obligation to have particular zones open to recreational fishing? Well, not so much obligation, but it's interesting. This Marine Estate Management Authority, or MEMA, is a fairly new approach to managing our marine environment. They are charged with making decisions that not only benefit the environment, but also there's a social aspect, societal aspect, um, and also an economic aspect. So it's sort of a three-pronged, instead of the way I think it should be, that the environment is paramount, and provided the environment is maximally benefited, um, do the best thing socially and economically. But instead, it's almost like a three-pong approach, which, of course, the environment sometimes loses out, I think. And in that case, you know, there's obviously social pressures to put marine nose-take zones in certain areas and not others. And part of that is to make sure there's access to fishing. But at 97.5% of the coast open, I think there might be plenty of access to fishing. And looking to Australia more broadly, where do we have marine parks currently? Well, marine parks are uh, sprinkled Australia-wide. Of course, the states have their three nautical mile zones. So within that, we have a lot of different ones. New South Wales has places like the Byron Park, Solitaries. We have Lord Howe Island, Batemans, and not yet Sydney Marine Park. That's what we're gunning for here. Each state has those. Uh, then there's the Commonwealth ones that extend out to our 200-mile zone offshore and also include most of the Great Barrier Reef, at least the parts more than three nautical miles off of Queensland. And who determines where a marine park is and what area it encompasses? Well, who determines is very variable as well. So in uh, New South Wales, for instance, there are what we call these bioregions that had been identified around Australia, and we have about five within New South Wales. And the general idea way back when was each of these bioregions should have a marine park with various levels of protection within it to conserve what's in there. And also to note that you need a string of these marine parks because marine organisms move through larvae in the water column. And so there's a sort of connectivity. It's of some value having a single one, but if you have one that connects through larval transport with another one, you get extra, extra benefits. So New South Wales falls to government departments like the Office of Environment and Heritage and DPI Fisheries to put forward through their scientists and planning processes. And we also have a, an institution called the Marine Estate Management Authority, or MEMA, which looks after what we call the marine estate. So they, they sort of get the ball rolling. And of course, as with all these things, it goes out for public consultation. Looking to the Sydney Marine Park, what was the original proposition here? The proposition for the Sydney Marine Park, um, which extends from Newcastle down to Wollongong, put forward maybe just a bit less than a month ago and uh, I guess based on uh, a couple of years of work that have been put in looking at the various threats to the marine environment and, and how best to address those and prioritise those involved a, um, a series of no-take or sanctuary zones and a series of other sorts of zones, conservation zones, special purpose zones, etc., sort of sprinkled along that area from um, Newcastle to Wollongong. And what were your thoughts on the initial proposal? When I saw the initial proposal, I thought it's just not enough. And when I say just not enough, I mean really the main zones we find important as conservationists are the no-take or sanctuary or pink zones. These are areas where 
fishing is, is banned, recreational or commercial, and various other restrictions are put on any exploitation. Now, tiny zones can be of value, but when we added it all up, it was less than 2.5% of the coast. So, you know, 97.5% was still up in fishing. So that's woefully inadequate. Um, in the rest of New South Wales, we have 7%. The Barrier Reef is 30%. So we were way behind. So I was disappointed, but the word on the street was that, well, it's a start. That was what we felt at that point. A start up until recently. What What happened? A start up until recently, and I think um, with a whole lot of things politically, which I don't quite understand, probably included swings in by-elections and things like that. I think the government was very sensitised to vocal fishing lobby groups, which really went quite loud and pushy that they didn't think these zones had any place in marine conservation plan at all. They wanted them totally removed. And Minister Blair, who's the fisheries minister, for some reason he seemed to be the the minister mostly involved in this as opposed to Minister Upton, uh, who leads OEH, the Environment Organisation. He was the one that came out and basically called it and said, well, take these off the table if it makes you feel any better to those loud people. And despite the fact that the submissions finish, I think, later today, and that will include many submissions from organisations, conservation and science, uh, supporting that park, he abandoned that part of the plan. Why did the lobby push back so hard? Well, there's a definite Australia-wide, maybe even worldwide lobby that as soon as no tech areas are mentioned, no matter how minuscule and tiny, rather than reason them out, they jump straight on the bandwagon of we want, they call it a lockout, that's their terminology that's quite emotive. They have town meetings, there's Facebook pages, and they whip themselves, I would say, into a frenzy um, to say we don't want these at all. So there's no concession, we want a little bit less or more, it's we don't want them at all. So that's, um, you know, the similar thing has happened elsewhere, so it's not surprising they tried to do that. Um, But what is surprising to me is the minister acquiesced so simply. Why do you think the New South Wales government folded to the fishing lobby here? Well, you know, it's it's all supposition on my part, but it's uh, interesting. The Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party really got stuck into the thing and uh, various fishing lobby groups had Facebook pages, had rallies. So they, I'd have to say they did a great job for their cause, which unfortunately I don't think was a cause for the environment, but you have to <laughs> impress with their mobilisation, that's for sure. And then we had the Wagga by-election um, disappointment, I think, for the government. And so, you know, at that level, which is really nothing to do with protecting them whatsoever, it's more to do with, you know, getting voted in next time, I would think, um, that's where it fell down. And certainly, I know the department's fisheries and uh, OEH did a really strong job in, in lobbying to get this park in place. And I'm sure there's a lot of very disappointed people at that level at the moment. Why is this, or I guess moving forward, why has it been opened up for public consultation? Is this protocol? Oh, yes. All these decisions are open to public consultation, which and stakeholder consultation. And so, you know, they're they're hoping the community will own whatever decisions made. So the idea is not just government telling you what to do. That works well sometimes. Unfortunately, often, I hate to say it, government may know best if the goal is to protect the marine environment and and other things. You know, really, they're experts in that. They can they get um, they, they consult with community all the way through but once it's out they're obliged in most cases to have a a submission period and that goes back to the minister who at that political time may change his his or her mind 
And so it's a very iterative process. And in my opinion, it, it just dilutes and weakens the whole impact. And often these marine protected areas are chosen in what we call residual sites, sort of the sites the government thinks are going to offend the least people. And it's not surprisingly, quite often, they're not in the best spots in the area. They're in the, the spots no one else wants. And then they're expected to really perform after that, which, of course, they may not. Who do you expect will be making submissions during this period? Well, I know uh, organisations, uh, marine science organisations like the Australian Marine Science Association, the Australian Coral Reef Society, the um, Sydney Institute of Marine Science have made submissions and they've also put out press releases to sort of mostly point out that they're quite disappointed with the what we're calling minister backflip, um, which has nothing to do with best practice or looking after the environment. And so we're very disappointed that he's made that announcement well before the submission period. It's simply unfair and it's not the best thing for the environment. So they have. And there are various other conservation NGOs and things that have made submissions and, of course, everyone's members. So there'll be quite a lot for them to look at. And I'm just hoping that they can somehow keep an open mind when they go through these submissions and and do the best thing for the environment. The public consultation period closes today. What do you anticipate will happen from this point? Given what the minister's already said, they will have a very rapid consultation, post-consultation period where they get some ideas out. So it wouldn't surprise me with some sort of indication comes out in, in a couple of weeks. And I'm hoping that they see sense and sort of, um, you know, do the best they can. I'm not sure if they can about face with what the minister said, but I would love them to do that and to reinstate the sanctuary zones. And so from there, they determine the zones. And then is it about actually rolling out Sydney Marine Park? Then they've got to roll it out. So I'm not sure of the timing of that. And of course, there's an election in there. Um, I'd like to see once they've made a decision, if it's a reasonable one, that that they move forward to give people some certainty. And of course, Sydney, anywhere in Australia, that's the place you want marine protection. There's a lot of us out there, a lot of people using the environment. And, uh, you know, we'd like to get that settled. The other fear here, and the minister alluded to this, he's even opening the, the window to when they come up for review to removing those sanctuary zones there. So it's spreading like a cancer, basically. So you mean marine parks currently in place, opening those up, or ones in planning? Current in place, because they get reviewed every five years. So, yeah, so ones in place. Yeah, so Solitaries, um, Batemans, Lord Howe Island have really good no-take sanctuary zones. And, you know, given the Fisher pushback, he's sort of almost rolling over and saying, well, we'll consider that option when we review those other parks. So everyone's quite fearful now that those zones might be under threat. Why is it that the parks are up for a rotation of five-year reviews that doesn't seem like a long period of time well that, that no no it doesn't but that's what they do and, and you know from our perspective the hope is there'll be more evidence to show we need bigger no-take areas but um the trouble with having these five-year things of course marine animals some of the especially some of the bigger fish take you know five years to mature so you really don't get the benefits of leaving keeping fishing out for, for a decade as they're found in the solitaries so you go and chop and change every five years you never get the benefit so there's that problem, plus also this now problem that they may remove them or reduce them because of this whole backlash. Does that leave you concerned moving forward? We go ahead with Sydney Marine Park only five or less years down the track, they revisit it and then remove some of the sanctuary zones in the future? Well, the fact they're not there in the first place, but even if they were, if we got our massive two and a half percent, you know, there'll be a fight on again in five years. So there's not a lot of certainty, is there, in that? What's your ideal Sydney Marine Park? Well, best practice is 20 to 30% uh, no-take or sanctuary. 
along the coast and we'll get either zero or actually it's about half a percent at the moment or two and a half, which is not good enough. So my ideal park would be that. And there are other issues with the marine environment and pollution was highlighted as a major issue. And so we obviously need to work on that as well. And a marine park, I think, properly managed could help with that as well. Dave Booth, Professor of Marine Ecology at the University of Technology, Sydney. Think Sustainability is made possible with the support of 2SER, the University of Technology, Sydney, and is heard around Australia via the Community Radio Network. 2SER Radio is based in Sydney on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on iTunes. I'm Jake Morecambe.